In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gaspacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. And today, joining the group chat is Kate Smith. She is the Senior Director of News Content at Planned Parenthood, and prior to that was a reporter covering abortion. Thank you for being with us. You know, usually pretty people are pretty unmotivated before Labor Day weekend, but unfortunately, this does not seem to apply to our anti-choice lawmakers. No, normally August is a bit of a slow month, but uh, our anti-abortion lawmakers did not get the memo. Somehow not. They never do. They never do. They don't (laughs) seem to look at a single document. But, you know, first of all, I want to get into some of what we're talking about. But first of all, I think it's so cool that your job exists at Planned Parenthood. So I am so curious about, you know, what your background is and how news coverage and content kind of factors into Planned Parenthood strategy right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I was a decade-long journalist. Um, I started at Baltimore Sun, and then I went uh, transitioned into economic and business news at Financial Times and Bloomberg. And then um, I transitioned to national news and started covering abortion policy, and that was in 2018. and what kind of the approach that we took when we were there, and I think kind of where we where we made a lot of headway, and this was at CBS News, mm-hmm. is we covered every single state ban that was happening. And this was back in 2019. Um, so it seems crazy now, but at the time, it felt like the busiest state legislative session. Again, like at the time. I remember, <laughs> yeah. Caveat. Um, and it was just like, you know, we got really deep in it. Um, I think my background covering... Uh, state politics and finance was really useful Mm -hmm. um, in being able to kind of not cover these stories with its national lens, but instead giving that national treatment, um, but really covering these as local stories, which is is really what they are at the end of the day, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And long story short, um, I transitioned out of news and I was doing something totally different, but Again, long story short, uh, Texas's Senate Bill 8 actually went into effect actually a year ago on Thursday. Wow. Wow. That's really crazy to think about. I know. I know. So much has changed. Yeah. Um, But so I was kind of, I felt like I was sitting on this toolbox where I'm like, I know how to communicate about really wonky state legislation, litigation, and it's all happening, and I'm not actually using this toolbox that I have. So I, you know, started having some conversations with Planned Parenthood. They had been really interested in starting to, you know, do news style content, building out a newsroom within Planned Parenthood. 
And in April, I joined them to kind of create that, execute it, and build it. So super exciting. And then uh, what happened in May? Did something happen in May? And then June? (laughs) And every month? Uh, Yes, my sixth day of work at Planned Parenthood. Oh, Lord. Uh, (laughs) um, Obviously, we saw the leak. And um, and then obviously, six months later, the leak was confirmed that Mm -hmm. the Supreme Court was was indeed going to overturn Roe versus Wade. And kind of when you think about all the different ways they could have approached the Dobbs decision. Yeah. It was definitely the worst case scenario. We were, you know, thinking that there could there were, you know, potential for a few different ways they could have approached it, but yeah. it really was the absolute most severe way they could have handled it. A complete overturn of Roe versus Wade. Uh, like you mentioned, you are you have a skill for sort of like distilling the patchwork of of changes and different laws and bans and communicating them in a way that feels for me a lot less overwhelming. I always watch your Twitter for the latest updates and kind of legal challenges on abortion bans, and it seems like this this landscape is changing on a daily basis, sometimes throughout the day. I'm really curious, you know, what is your strategy for for keeping up and communicating the impact to? You know, who are you thinking about? Providers, patients, potential actions? Like, what's your what's your strategy? <laughs> um, all of the above. No, what yeah. our what our real strategy is, and I think, and I think I touched on this before, but covering abortion policy inherently is as local a story as you can possibly yeah. get. And I think where there's a disconnect sometimes that you see in the media is it gets covered as a national news story. And I I love using this example because I think it really highlights the problem. So when you were reading about, say, Texas's Senate Bill 8, the six-week ban that was, you know, implemented before Roe was overturned, the headline is obviously Texas implements this. And by, like, the fourth graph, you're getting a quote from Ted Cruz. Now, I'm sorry, but, like, Ted Cruz is completely irrelevant when you are Mm -hmm. talking about medical regulations in one specific state. He's a federal lawmaker. He makes decisions for the whole country. And so... I think what we're trying to do is making sure when we're thinking about these stories, we're framing it in the appropriate ways. We're framing it in what is the actual context of these bills? You know, I like to say we read the legislation so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we highlight the things that you really need to know there. Mm-hmm. Um, but covering and treating each of these individually and then completely. So I think sometimes what will happen is I'll see... Um, a great example, let's say like Tennessee. Last week, Tennessee put in, um, implemented a total ban on abortion, um, no exceptions for rape and incest, um, but an exception for life of the mother. But it's not really that simple. The word exception doesn't actually appear wow. in the legislation anywhere. And it's because it's this thing called affirmative defense. And it's really in the weeds. But that's exactly the kind of thing that I really, that's my like bread and butter. Mm-hmm. I want people to understand like, hey, it's really easy to just like say, oh, yeah, there's an exception. But there's really not. Um, and for example, like last night, the South Carolina State House um, advanced a near total ban on abortion. Now, State lawmakers say that there's an exception for rape, vic- victims of rape and incest. The pregnancy was a result of rape and incest. Okay. Well, not exactly mm-hmm. because it's only available up until the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. And like, if you're talking about these very real situations, you know, uh, a minor, someone who maybe, you know, maybe it was a situation for, you know, family and friends, like, how does that person report the crime? It is, right. And that's like the kind of context that, you know, I don't actually think it's biased because we're talking about real situations and the real way that people interact with these laws. And that's my strategy and kind of giving that context to these laws. And like, yeah, you could say it in one sentence, 
South Carolina House advances near total abortion ban with rape and incest exceptions. But Mm -hmm. to me, that really doesn't tell you the real story. And so how Mm -hmm. can we get closer to telling the real story at scale for all Mm -hmm. 50 states? Yeah. And I think that's also so important when, you know, these moments do sort of become a little bit viral that I always think about like the messages that the actual, you know, it's, it's one thing for like a a, a person on Twitter in in Brooklyn to say something that, but then, uh, you know, I think about how, you know, a patient receives it. And if that message is slightly off and they either think, oh, I can do this or more, I worry more if they, they worry they can't do something. So like, I'm, I'm so happy there are sort of voices out there that are kind of uh, updating. As you're talking, I mean, I can't help but think that if local news were stronger, people would sort of already have made these connections or not have to make so much, you know, put so much effort into it. We talk a lot about on the show about how it shouldn't be so hard to be informed. Like it's not your fault if you find it overwhelming. Like it used to be more manageable. Absolutely. And look, I'm a local, I start off in local news girl. Like, so like I'm, I'm showing a little bit of my cards here, but I will say a huge trend that you've seen in local news is the uh, mergers and acquisitions. So like, incredible newsrooms like the Baltimore Sun, like the Chicago Tribune, Mm -hmm. and obviously even smaller ones that covered smaller markets, they have been purchased by private equity groups who are just slashing their budgets, adding, you know, debt to their balance sheets. And so I would argue that like all of these reporting that's happening on a local level is still as amazing. They're just getting, you're asking Mm -hmm. one reporter to do seven So I got, I got to give props to the local, the local journalists who are doing, doing truly incredible work with like virtually zero resources. Right. And as you said, like the stories are changing, like as they file them. I mean, last night with South Carolina last night, didn't the story evolve like throughout the night? It was wild. So in South Carolina, initially, it seemed like there was a win. So what happened, what you saw was about, um, so they wanted to pass a total abortion ban. Prohibited at all stages of pregnancy, no exceptions for when the pregnancy was a result of rape and incest, right? It fails. It fails 47, like by 47 to 55 votes, something like that. Um, And then what happened, what you saw, literally, literally, um, anti-abortion lawmakers refused to adjourn. They refused to leave the room because... Like this was their chance. And if that was the case, the bill would be dead. Mm -hmm. And so what they did was they like frantically add these exceptions and the exception that they added that they were successful in adding was um, situations of rape and incest. But again, only if you report it and only through the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. And you saw 20 politicians flip their vote. And what's even like the shadiest part of all, they did it via a voice vote. They wouldn't even like put their name on the board. And so that's what you saw. And this was, this happened all within two hours. Mm -hmm. So like these are just, they're really, really difficult to cover. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it really highlights why the focus is so important. Um, like why you have beat reporters covering it and trying to find those reporters to make sure you're following them. Um, but then also just the nuance, the nuance of it all. Um, I think anyone who was following South Carolina knew that there was a lot of um, what would you call it um, on the anti on the anti abortion side of the aisle? There was a lot of uh, there wasn't a lot of consensus yeah. over how to handle exceptions, um, and so you you probably could have known that there was going to be a problem here. Um, which again is just like you know why you right. need beat reporters and following yeah. those great sources, right? 
Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. On that note, you know, we have seen some anti-abortion lawmakers on on the Republican side uh, scrub. There are still, unfortunately, some anti-abortion Democrats, but on the Republican side, scrub their websites of of extreme anti-abortion stances. They're not coming out saying, you know, my body, her body, her choice, but they're removing some of that language that, you know, probably really turned off Kansas voters, that probably really turned off those, you know, Hudson Valley voters. You know, but that being said, you know, Every day I still see some, you know, local lawmaker saying the most, the craziest thing I've ever heard. And I feel like, I wonder if this sort of relates to the conversation we're already happening. What do you make of this flip-flopping? What does it signal to you? And do you think that these statewide candidates are reacting to the pressure differently than like more local candidates? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think to, to go to your first piece, 
these aren't popular, right? It is not popular to ban abortion in virtually any state. And that's, that's from data and polling, nonpartisan data and polling. Um, it is not popular to, to do these things. And so what you're seeing, like what you saw in Kansas, and I I'm glad that it was so heavily covered, but I got to throw this in there, which is that like the vote just like confirmed data that we already have. (laughs) Right. And so I think that's a really important takeaway. And like, obviously politicians got reminded of this data. This data is real. These, uh, this polling is real. And I think what you saw in Kansas and how you're seeing politicians respond to that is remembering that all of this is real. These policies aren't actually popular. And like, you know, when you, you know, go back to the history of how abortion even got like politicized to begin with, you know, there were these like campaign promises, um, and you can get all in the weeds about, you know, primary elections versus general elections and this and that. But at the end of the day, voters don't want their politicians be regulating their their health care. And that's and that's really what it boils down to at the end of the day. Right. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So Planned Parenthood has been doing, I mean, a lot of amazing messaging just overall on this issue on repo rights and its role kind of in the midterms. I mean, I also, as we're talking, I, I'm very goal oriented. A lot of people are, but I've been trying to remind myself like this is a local fight and there's there's not some, you know, making clear to people that there's not some big, we're not taking a national vote on November 8th on abortion rights, unfortunately. This is kind of like a lot of sort of different fights that we can pursue. But I, I am six weeks out from my wedding. The listeners know that I keep bringing it up. But I, I have found that scheduling my life in these kind of increments of like three months out, two months out, I, I'm really enjoying it. I find it a manageable way to like look <laughs> into my future. So let's approach election day like it's our wedding day because it's probably going to have just as much of Effect on our future as women. We are currently 10 weeks out from the midterm elections, just under. What do you think people should be doing right now? Okay, so you should make sure that you're ready to vote. I mean, that's like the easiest thing to do. And then also making sure you're holding your, uh, you know, your electeds accountable. Yeah. Um, like, like we talked about in this conversation, um, abortion shouldn't be politicized. Full stop. But it is, and that's where we are right now. So you should really understand what your, the people that you are voting for, what are their opinions on this? Because that's, we've only really seen the first wave of abortion bans since Roe, right? So the first wave you saw were those trigger bans. So 13 states that had, you know, the abortion bans already in place, ready to go. Um, You saw a couple like referendums like Kansas and you saw a handful of special sessions, but there is a long way to go. Um, So I think even if you're living in a state that has a six week ban, Mm -hmm. don't get comfortable and think that that won't turn into a whole ban after the election. So I think just being vigilant, knowing how your electeds, um, what their views on this are and really challenging them and holding them accountable. So if they say they don't believe in abortion after conception, Mm -hmm. absurd point of view, but maybe they have that opinion, you know, like really hold, like, you know, making sure that that's really, you know, you, you know that when you are going to, when you're going to vote in November. Um, And then also understanding even if you live in a state where abortion is protected, if you live in a state where abortion is not protected, um, now is not the time to be comfortable. It really isn't. There's a lot of things that are changing. I mean, Planned Parenthood, we're, we're in active litigation in 18 different states um, where there's a lot, there's mm-hmm. a lot of way to go. So, you know, I know it's, um, it's really hard to maintain your hope. 
I think. And when you're looking at such a long road ahead, and this truly is a very, very long road ahead to get back to where we were and, you know, ideally get to a better place than where we were before. Um, And I think just maintaining that hope, maintaining that vigilance. Mm -hmm. I had a really good conversation with Alexis Michael Johnson, our CEO and president, and she uh, shared with me something that I love and something I've been thinking about for a long time, which is, and to your point about, um, you know, how do you plan six weeks yeah. out of, um, keeping hope is a daily practice. And so what are you, what is one thing that you can do every day mm-hmm. that gets you closer to where you want to be? And when it comes to this fight, it's, you know, you know, did you research your candidates? Did you, you know, send a text message to a friend about this? Did you read a story? Did you share a story? Did you just like remind people that it is popular to support abortion rights? You know, mm-hmm. so think about it as a daily practice as you're moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I feel like can't, I mean, one of the reasons I, I think about Kansas so much is because I feel like they really like, it's a long road, but they showed it's like, okay, that's the first stretch of it. And I feel like they just provided so much momentum. And, you know, obviously people are suffering right now, but I know a lot of people are sort of really hoping for an outcome where, you know, it may take a decade or longer where actually we end up, you know, creating, creating a, you know, the scaffolding for reproductive rights in the States that didn't exist before. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, I'm so excited that there are so many people who are energized and paying attention now, but I, I think it's really important to make sure that those, you know, maybe those newcomers to our team, they're aware that Roe didn't really work for a ton of people in this country. I mean, Mm -hmm. like Missouri, I'd spent so much time in Missouri as a reporter, one clinic, they were 72 hour waiting period. Mm -hmm. And it was to the point that like, yeah, it was legal, but what does legality really mean when access is limited to the point that it was in that clinic in St. Louis? I mean, even Texas, like Texas had a straight up six week abortion ban in place. Wow. Roe was the law of the land. So did, uh, so did Oklahoma. So, I mean, I think really reminding people too, that like we're fighting for something that's even better and that's really energizing and that's really exciting, you know, without obviously ignoring the real devastation that is happening on the ground. But I think you can do both simultaneously acknowledge where we are, what a terrible place we're in, but we're fighting for something really exciting and really and really wonderful on the other side. Wonderful. This is definitely a, the most positive kind of like t- most optimistic forward thinking <laughs> touch base we've had since uh, since since June 24th. Thank you so much. This was Kate Smith, the Senior Director of News Content at Planned Parenthood. Make sure you are following her for all of your many, many updates <laughs> from these very industrious states. That is our show. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Batches.